right, this is a quick fire Q&A, my guys. So I couldn't decide on a topic to save my life this week. I think my head's fried. And so we are just doing all around Q&A. We have got such a cool lineup of questions already, but if you have questions, anything related to nutrition, family, business, whatever, I'm here, just ask me whatever. Um, and I'm recording it so that we can just launch it onto the podcast at some point as well. I'm running a little bit late. I got a media call up just to write about um, the impact of different foods on um, PMS. And so I got a little bit carried away. I love that stuff. And then I realized the time. So anyway, it's probably another um, live session in itself, actually covering all things mood, food, PMS. So I think I might have to lock that in. Hey everyone. Hi, hi. Welcome. All right, Q&A time. Okay. so. I'm just gonna start rolling, send through questions as we go, uh, and I'll try and keep it short. But you know, if anyone's listened to me talk, we call it the Compete Waffle for a reason. So, you know, quick fire Q&A, we'll see what actually happens here. So first question was, can you have too much fiber? And yes, the answer is yes. Um, and it is one of the most common things that we focus on, particularly in athletes that we recognize as being in low energy availability, because most often it is accidental from an overconsumption of lots of clean foods, lots of um, basically low energy dense foods, but high um, nutrient dense foods like veggies, fruits, lovely foods, um, but it makes it really, really hard to get enough energy in. And a beautifully done study and um, review actually showed um, for, particularly in the female athletes, anything around that 60 to 70 grams of fiber per day is getting towards that higher end, which generally we do see that hypothalamic amenorrhea happen. So the loss of the menstrual cycle. So if you are someone who is active, if you are someone um, with high energy needs and you are having lots of um, really great foods, it makes it really, really hard to get enough energy in. And it also seems to be connected to HA. And so definitely consider it um, being a thing and make sure you're not over consuming fiber. And it does mean pulling back on those clean foods and re kind of, I guess, defining what food actually looks like to you and the purpose of food for you right now. So yeah, hope that's helpful. Um, best type of plant protein powder. Um, if you're choosing a vegan option for protein powder, um, you have to be aware that some of the amino acids are different in each type of plant protein. So the best one is a combination of brown rice and pea protein. So a lot of them are that, which is excellent. And the main reason is because it just complements all the amino acids really beautifully um, to make a complete protein. So yeah. Oh, hey, Chad, fork yeah today. My fork, this was out yesterday. It was probably really inappropriate for all our videoing, but anyway, I had, I had fun. Hopefully everyone has a sense of humor. Um, any sessions to do fasted? Should I do any sessions fasted? Um, Depending on you uh, and what you want to get out of the session, if you are going into a session um, with performance in mind, intensity in mind, and you're wanting to get the absolute most out of that session, then it is an absolute no. You should absolutely feel for that session. If you feel very nauseous, if it's an early morning session, you find it really hard to eat before that session, obviously we work around that and we work through other options. Um, but yes, there are some sessions that you can absolutely, uh, let's start again, absolutely do fasted if you wanted to. 
Um, but it's all around the timing and it's really making sure that it's well um, thought out by your dietitian and your coach um, because we need to make sure that we're not jeopardizing the outcomes of that session. So yeah, big one there. Uh, do brands of supplements matter? So like, do I need to worry about the price? Um, is it like, I think he said, like, is it about like supermarkets where it's brand, no name kind of brands. So for the everyday active that are taking supplements like the protein powders, there tends to be a really wide range of ones that you can choose. Um, a lot of them are pretty equal in terms of being um, WPI often, um, and that's fine. The thing you need to be aware of is quality uh, and risk of contaminated ingredients. So for most, even though um, you know there's some really nice brands out there, you want to be looking for ones that are third-party batch tested um, if possible, um, but they're not as widely um, available and they can be more expensive for some brands. Um, my go-to picks um, for the third-party batch tested uh, like your true proteins and BSCs are really easy to get um, batch tested. You just have to go to the athlete section and they're the same price. Um, for cheaper options, but still pretty standard um, in terms of really wide varieties, then bulk nutrients is like definitely the most cost effective. Um, we use that often at home just because they're not sponsored <laughs> um, and it's cheapest and I'm not, you know, um, tested in terms of um, being an elite athlete surprising I know um but yeah that they're all kind of the brands that we'd go for um sports drinks for but to be honest whatever's on special is also a great option um sports drinks should uh let me say this properly um everyday gym goer is there a place to have sports drinks so for most of us, if we're going to the gym for 45 minutes, hour 15 minutes, like max, then not necessarily water will probably be fine as long as you've kind of fueled beforehand. Um, but if you are going into that session, you haven't necessarily fueled enough, um, then you can absolutely have some sports drink in that in that session. Um, any sessions over that hour, hour and a half, you're getting into that point of what we call being glycogen depleting, which means that you're getting through most of that carbohydrate in your muscle. Um, and you may want to consider fueling those sessions, particularly if they're high intensity, they're all about the quality of the session, um, including sports drinks is a really, really good idea. Um, next one. Feel free to pop in questions to you guys as you go. Um, how much fruit is too much? Great question. I cannot answer that based on you. Um, I need a lot more detail. There isn't a right or wrong. I always go minimum is two to three pieces a day. Um, and remembering that pieces are like big pieces or two small bits, like two apricots or two plums um, or one apple, one banana, a cup of berries, um, all those types of things. So that's a really nice place to start. If you're someone who hates vegetables and salads, I'll tend to bump up the color and the variety and the diversity with some more fruit. Um, if you're someone with high energy needs, then that's, you know, you've got to make sure that you're not following, say, that bite of the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating completely if you're really, really active and you've got high energy needs, you're naturally going to have more serves of fruit and more serves of everything per day just to make sure that you're covering the cost of that exercise. Um, oh, I'm just going so fast. I'm getting breathless. Go me. All right. Shoot through your questions, guys. Oh, I'm breaking my Instagram. Excellent. Um, all right. Um, can, oh, this is a good one. Can protein be stored as fat? I heard that excess calories from protein get excreted. 
I've heard this rumor before and I can guarantee you it's not true. Um, so protein, when you eat it, I'm going to give a little bit more detail in this so you really understand it. If that was the case, we would all just eat protein and never put on weight. Like it's that it just doesn't work like that. So um, if you've got protein in your urine, small amounts can be normal, particularly for athletes. But large amounts of protein in our urine is a real concern and it's a real concern for our kidneys uh, and it means that something's gone wrong. So what happens when we eat proteins is they get broken down into these amino acids. Um, they get given to the liver and the liver gets to decide where they all go, all the things that they get to do. Um, and anything left over, we then need to do something with. And so this is why it's really important because we can't store protein as amino acids that we spread our protein out over the day as we need it to make the most of it. Because once all the amino acids have been divvied up into their respective roles, the liver has to go, okay, what's next? And what they do is they store it as um, different things. So it gets converted into storing it as glucose or keto. Um, and we can use that for energy, um, whether that be soon or later, it's stored. So it's stored as fat um, or it's stored as energy uh, and we can use it um, for that. It is definitely not all excreted um, and any excess in energy that we eat, whether that be from fats, carbohydrates, proteins, our body is very intelligent and it will store it for later. What they may have been referring to is when amino acids are being stored, they have to take off something from that to then turn into those energies that they're being stored as. And the byproduct of that is something called urea. And you do excrete urea because that's from ammonia. Um, and ammonia is toxic, so our body turns it into urea to get rid of it. Very, very intelligent body. So that might have been where that rumor came from. So yes, proteins will increase your fat if you're over consuming. Um, but the good thing about protein is it is quite filling. And I think that's where it gets such a good rap is that it's hard to over consume protein um, and still feel good. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, one of those things and it's a really weird rumor. But yeah, absolutely can be stored as fat. Um, thoughts on pre-workout supplements. Um, alrighty. So pre-workout subs, um, if used well, can be a really effective tool. I try, I, I have been known to have, um, interventions with people who are over consuming pre-workouts, um, for the main reason that caffeine can become a really big issue. The other thing with pre-workouts to remember is that they're often mixed supplements. So they'll have lots of different things in them to make them fancy or um, painted, painted um, concoctions. And so we just need to be aware that if we're taking creatine, there may be creatines in our pre-workout. If we're taking beta-alanine, there may be beta-alanines in our workout. Uh, and if we're having coffee over the day, then we're then having caffeine in our pre-workout. So just being really aware of what's in your pre-workout, number one, is really important. It can absolutely be a place, and even mentally, it can really play a part in performance and getting that intensity. Um, but just making sure you're thinking about the timing. So for morning time, pre-workouts, I don't really have a concern with if it's well, you know, timed. If you're having a pre-workout late in the afternoon, late in the day, they can be really high amounts of um, caffeine and they can really impact your sleep and therefore your recovery. So just really consider that. Um, 
one. All right. I've seen alcoholic kombucha. What's your thoughts? A little bit of good and bad. <laughs> yeah, it's such a mix. So what happens with alcoholic kombucha is kombucha is a fermenting process. And so what they do is they take it a little bit further uh, and allow it to become alcoholic. Um, it can be a great option. It's still alcohol. Uh, the alcohol in it is very high energy as it would be in any other drink. Uh, the beauty of kombucha is that it's a little bit less in sugar, obviously, um, which is a really nice, I guess, thing. If you are drinking, then it's a good option. Still wouldn't overconsume it. Um, I guess it's just real balanced marketing, as you said, Ben. I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, how long does it take to go into a state of ketosis? Well, ketosis is this adaptation, Jesse, of basically starvation. Uh, and it's our body's way of making sure that we don't eat into our um, protein stores and it protects us because we've got this amazing reserve of energy from fats and ketosis is, um, ketosis is, ketosis is <laughs> it's two words, Alicia, um, what happens there to create energy um, for our brain and our bodies to use basically. Uh, and it can take different varying amounts. Um, ketones in our body is something very, very normal. Uh, if we go fasted, uh, if we're in a fasted state, then there'll be ketones present. In terms of that high rate of ketos, ketosis, wow, my words are really going well tonight, everyone. Um, you really need to make sure it's a very high fat diet and not a high protein diet for the main reason that proteins get um, basically a changed into glucose and it stops ketosis happening. So ketosis in a state is actually a survival mode for our body and it's an adaptation process. Whether it's, you know, ideal is uh, up for debate, I guess you could say. Um, but for most people, um, including carbohydrates, allowing those carbohydrate amounts to reflect our training and our training goals is definitely where it's at. Um, but yeah, for most, you know, like endurance athletes, um, they will go into a state of ketosis, particularly our trail runners, multi-day endurance events. They will end up in ketosis by the end of it because it's simply too hard to meet the cost of exercise and our body does go into that state. Uh, oh, Georgia, exercising and listening to you. Awesome. Alrighty. Questions, guys, anything more? Oh my gosh, I smashed through it. Go me. Um, yeah, so I'll um, give you a little intro actually of what I was talking about um, before I started because I was just mentioned before I got carried away with mood and food. But um, yeah, flick through questions if you wanted to um, and then we'll finish up. So um, yeah, a question came through around the impact of serotonin on PMS. And I think one thing that people don't realize is that we don't eat serotonin, that's not in our foods, but what we eat impacts serotonin because a lot of um, the serotonin created, about 95% is around the mark, uh, is created from our gut. So there's some really cool stuff we can do with food to increase our serotonin, which if you're not aware, has this really big impact on our mood. So it's like our feel good hormone, if you like. But also it's the precursor, which means it's like the, the step before creating melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. So if we're low in serotonin, then we definitely have big impacts on our mood, but also on our sleep. And, you know, with both of those things, we have big impacts on our well-being. So, yeah, it's a bit of a passion project. And I'm going to do a video on something um, very soon because there's a supplement that impacts serotonin quite heavily and it's used by a lot of people 
that shouldn't be. So, yeah, I'm going to have to do a video on that. All right. Does beetroot juice live up to its hype? Yeah, beetroot juice is pretty well studied. Um, there's still some things coming out. I think the biggest thing with beetroot juice is the amount that you'd have to take. So normal beetroot juice, you'd need around half a liter to get the nitrates that have been shown to improve performance. Um, so you definitely probably want to go the concentrated beetroot shoot juice shots if you were going to consider nitrate supplementation. Um, and the less trained you are, the better it seems to work. So for someone like me, it may be a really good option. Um, for elite pro athletes, we tend to use it if it's low risk and they tolerate it well, um, but the improvements in performance aren't necessarily seen as nicely as they are in the untrained or um, more age group active individuals. So yeah, really nice thing to consider um, for a few different things. Um, so basically for those watching at home and are like, why are they talking about beetroot? Uh, it's a really nice um, improver to blood um, and oxygen transport. So yeah, eat your greens, eat your veggies, eat your nitrates um, and nitrates are found in um, soil and those soil veggies. So beetroot's one of them. Um, all right. Oh, good question. Your thoughts on glycerol loading? I actually have a blog on glycerol loading. Um, if only I was an influencer and I could swipe you up, but I will try. I will find it and I'll put it on my stories for you. Um, glycerol, for those playing at home, was actually on the banned list um, by WADA a couple of years ago. And then it became okay because it was shown that it actually wasn't doing the bad things that they thought it was in terms of um, preventing people getting caught um, doping. So glycerol is a hyperhydrator. So what it does is it allows your, you to enter a race or an event um, in a hyperhydrated state. Um, and yeah, it's definitely worthwhile doing for a lot of people, um, particularly those who struggle with hydration, um, particularly those who are racing in the heat, high sweat rates. It can absolutely be a strategy. Uh, just don't, make sure you trial it in training. Um, oh, nice t-shirt. Thank you, Alan. Ah, oh, Alan, I am going to send you a link so you can fill out um uh, one of our forms and I'll do a delivery. 100%. They're so much fun. Um, I've got fork here or fork this and you get to choose which one you want. Alrighty, team. Any other questions? Shoot them through. What's your go-to for ideal vitamins to boost immunity and recovery? Maddie Garvin, you said boost immunity, which is like my pet hate. So... <laughs> <laughs> immunity um, is something you don't actually want to boost. You don't want to boost your immune function. So your immune function, you want to optimize it, um, but a heightened immune function is actually a state of stress and inflammation, and it's when it's actually a negative. So what we're wanting to do is actually just manage it. So we want to create a really supportive immune function um, that can really make sure that you're feeling good and also making sure that you're not getting really sick um, all the time, obviously. Um, so the ideal, ideal vitamins um, ideally are always going to come from food uh, and definitely a food first approach in all of these. Um, with some evidence, we've got um, things like zinc and vitamin C. Vitamin C I would never take chronically. Um, it's just at the times that you're at higher risk because it can dampen your um, response to training. So that's not ideal. Um, zinc is one of those things that you can absolutely um, start to take um, at the time of feeling sick. Uh, and one of the probably 
just to make it clear, I am not sponsored by anything, guys. Um, but one of the best kind of um, supplements at the time of feeling sick uh, is by Bioceuticals. Um, and that it's just got a really good combination of like your zinc and vitamin C. Um, so it's like a one-stop shop. Um, something with like smaller amounts of information, oh, information and review on them um, are available. But I'm going to, Maddie, I'll um, reply to your comment with an infographic that we did on just all the evidence in the immune stuff. Trav, yes, you need a shirt. Yes, it's coming. I, I've been busy writing letters to everyone today, everyone. I hope everyone appreciates my handwriting. <laughs> um, all right. Any other questions, team? Gosh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't believe I got through those. Go me for not waffling too much. Awesome. All right. Have a good Wednesday. I have recorded this, so if you've jumped in late um, and you've missed the first few questions, don't stress. I have recorded it for the podcast, um, but I've also I'll save it in IGTV for Instagram listeners and Facebook. I will save it here as well. So thanks for all your amazing questions. I had a really good time tonight. So um, yeah, thanks for joining me, and we'll chat very soon. I don't think I have too much to update on. I think, yes, for those who are waiting kit, it is coming. I've just got to, I, I'm a perfectionist, surprising. Um, and I just wanted to make sure they're all really nicely packaged and that's what's taking me a while. Um, but also, um, yeah, if you are keen to kind of explore any of the topics that we've went about today or just get some advice on where to start, we do offer free assessments. So our lovely Michaela, She's going to hate me for dobbing her in for this. Um, replies in person to every single free assessment um, to help just guide you on your way. So it's really just getting that conversation started and allowing you to kind of know what those next steps are. And that's just on our website. Um, if you wanted to reach out, have a chat, no pressure. It's just really starting that conversation with one of our dietitians who happens to be the lovely Michaela. So yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks for joining me. And I will now go back and reply to those messages that I promised in terms of a little bit more information. You're welcome, Tegan. Thanks, Holly. You are so welcome. Thanks, guys. Um, ask any questions anytime. And we'll be back in a fortnight, as always, Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time for Q&A. Cheers, guys. Have a good night. Bye.